yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I fit. We're both wearing massive coats for some I don't know. It wasn't free planned. I'm in a rush. That I'm just quite cold. That's why I'm wearing like a massive overcoat. And they turn off the heating in the I office, don't know. Are they? Yeah, they're scrimping <laughs> and saving. Owners. Yeah, you pay your salary, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's a big, big salary. Um, yeah, big weekend of European rugby. Lot to get through. We have a great guest coming up in about 15 minutes or so. John Cooney, another match winning kick for Ulster. But we'll be, maybe we'll save the Ulster chat for John anyway. Very eventful weekend. You know, the first game for the Irish teams of the weekend was the Leinster one. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very impressive win for Leo Cullen's men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, we were talking last week, their two previous trips to Franklin's Gardens were comprehensive wins. We thought it might be a bit closer, and it looked like that for a while, but then they turned on the power and the style in equal measure. Well, it was very impressive. Yeah, they were. Look, I think it looks, and it's the same story, I suppose, as, uh, you, know, um, you know, week two of the comp. I think uh, Leinster looked like they've been in those positions before. Uh, when they have their kind of foot on the throat, they don't let it off. You know, when they're in the 22, there's no forwards dropping balls. There's no guys getting balls ripped out of their hands in simple contact situations, which it looks to me like other teams would probably get away with that against maybe lesser opposition in their leagues, hence where they're going well there, maybe struggling when they get to the real top table in Europe. Leinster are used to that. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing a really ruthless outfit, an experienced outfit. Um, And they look like they're going to be really tough to beat. I mean, look, again... It's not to say that Northampton didn't have opportunities and there's not a chance they could well, turn things around. Well, you know, you they did move the ball very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you have to finish the opportunities. Yeah. It's all well and good putting yourself in opportunity in good positions. What's the point if you're not finishing them off yeah. or you're not at least getting very, very close or getting a kick or putting pressure on? You need to be able to keep concerted pressure on good teams because they'll be able to survive. And I always go on about once you're in the 22 and you're not coming in there with speed and momentum, it's actually really hard to score. It's one of the best places or the easiest places to defend. 
um, particularly when your pack are able to muscle up like a Leinster pack can and their subs, whoever they bring on, will be able to muscle up. So you're not going to be able to just hang on to the ball and grind through them all the time. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to have to come up with a good player. You're going to have to come in with a bit of pace. Um, or you might have to just say, look, let's get a penalty out of this and build pressure that way. So um, it looks to me like the other teams, um, you know, in the, some of the other teams in the competition who are still relatively new and haven't been there, you know, in the real knockout stages or won a few times, um, haven't been able to really deliver when they get into good positions like Leinster have. And no surprise, Leinster are riding high at the top of my power rankings as well, which oh. I might get to in a, in a moment or so. But uh, <laughs> on the Leinster game, Jordan Larmer had a phenomenal performance yeah. at fullback. You know, we have seen him deliver similar performances, but I feel like in a big away game in Europe, is is a bit different to maybe some of the other games we've seen him do really well, and this was a very much a statement game, and there was a good kind of camera shot towards the end as Rob Carney was waiting to come on, kind of looking, I wouldn't say forlorn, but like you know, <laughs> watching maybe the end of his career uh, hasten towards him. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I don't know about that. I think Rob is, still looks like he's in great shape, and I think there'll um, there will be a space from there. I mean, like I think that you know they still picked him over in um, in week two. Um, he started the game against... Leon, but Lammer uh, played that Leon, game as well. I know, but he played in the wing. Yeah. And, I, like, and you wonder then in the big games, is that going to be how it's how it kind of yeah. pans out for them? It's difficult to say. It ends up. I think it ends up probably being a battle between the two Carnies. Carney, Lammer, Lowe, maybe, in the back three. It could be that. Yeah. And, you know, look, I think Dave Carney's been playing some really good rugby. Looks very... Uh, you know, defensively looks solid. Um, you know, looks very powerful and strong. You know, is uh, looking quick and sharp as well. So, um, you know, that's going to be a really tough battle between the two carnivores. It looks like Larmer and Lowe will probably be starting uh, most of the big games. You know, with maybe you know, depending on injuries. Um, you know, those two probably are nailed on. I think at this point. So, yeah, like it's 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 great for them. They've lots of competition in you know in the team and in in every position. Uh, you know, Fergus McFadden as well coming back from injury. He was decent in the, uh, you know, before he... In, Former colleague, in, an ex-colleague. An ex-colleague, yeah. Um, you know, you've got Adam Burns, you know, Rory Lachlan can play in the wing. Uh, they have a few up-and-comers as well. So they're well stacked there. And uh, I suppose that's what drives people like Jordan on to play. You know, to, you know, he has to play like that if he wants to get in. You have to produce special performances if you're playing. And, and I think behind that Leinster pack as well, you know, and all the quality they have on the inside... You know, you should be producing good performances. This team yeah. looks like they're really hungry. Not every look, player is making breaks like that and racking up meters made like that. Either. No, certainly not. Yeah. And look, we have to be careful with the meters made stat. I think that's a complete, you know. <laughs> What's wrong with the meters made? The meter, stat? But you're like every fullback gets it because they run thirty meters before there's any contact. Sometimes with a big long kick, so it's not it's not a good metric. I don't think defenders beaten is, and he's doing bloody well in that one. I'm not. Mm. I'm not I just yeah. say the meters made one is a personal, uh, a bit of a personal hatred for that one because I just think it's it's a stupid one, you know. But I think. The, the defender's beaten he's just a nightmare mm. you know to handle and he needs to keep that he needs to keep you know being expressive he needs to keep trying things um, and I think he needs to you know there's parts of the time you want to be pragmatic especially against good teams but in, you know on a fast track you know in an open rugby game like that you know play you know play what you see and that's I thought what he did and he was brilliant so uh, you know long may it continue I suppose and the injury to Johnny Sexton is one sour point you know he looked to be you know, looking sharp again at the weekend until he picked up that knee injury apparently he'll be out for 8 to 10 weeks which would probably take him out of the first couple of Six Nations games and given that it's a new you know head coach and Andy Farrell and there was a question over if Johnny would be the captain or if he should be in the squad given his age or all these question marks it's, an, it's a kind of an interesting time for Irish rugby as well as you know you know, bad for Johnny, but in terms of where the, the national team goes as well, it's an interesting question. It is, and it might not be the worst thing. Uh, you know, as you kind of alluded to there, 
there has been some questions about how you how you prepare the team for the next World Cup. Do you do it now or do you play with someone like Johnny who's an absolute linchpin and still the best by far, I think, in terms of uh, quality um, as, uh, as, as your out half? So um, I'd probably be leaning towards keeping him there. I think he's too important. I think he's a real leadership figure in there. I think he'll bring on lots of the young guys around. But, you know, this could work out really well for some of the young guys as well. It's a great opportunity if he doesn't make it back in time. Um, I think Ross Byrne will be looking at it as a huge... You know, I think so, but I think Ross Byrne and, and Frawley are outstanding mm -hmm. footballers. You know, uh, I'd be uh, I'd be licking my lips if I was them. This is a big opportunity, and, and they have they're playing with the full Lencer team. You know, they're going to be they're going to have the availability of pretty much two international packs. Whoever plays in that Lencer ten slot against all the other teams, plus all the quality, and they're playing well. Um, the momentum is with them. They've got a great coaching staff. Like all the pieces are there for Lencer to really perform at a high level great if you're a playmaker mm. like Luke McGrath and uh, you know Jameson Gibson Park Ross Byrne Kieran Frawley great play great time to be playing in a Leinster jersey yeah. absolutely and uh, to move on to some of the other provinces Munster obviously beats Arsons but let them get away with a losing bonus point which could be crucial and you know it wasn't a great game played in terrible conditions yeah. I don't know what, what did you what were your takeaways bit of bad luck with the conditions Will yeah. um, I thought it was really important for them to do well um, and that's why I suppose the scoreline was a little bit disappointing, particularly given that Saracens didn't bring over, you know, much of a team at all. I don't Eight think or nine players rested. Uh, yeah, you know, and you'd expect Munster at home to put up, you know, to, to put up a bit of a score, and that's in those kind of circumstances with their tails up at home, difficult place to go. Um, you know, their their record speaks for itself, really, in Thoman Park. So. Uh, they'll be a little bit disappointed and as well we have to say the weather was atrocious so they did get a little bit unlucky with that probably suits like I mean look you'd think most people and most of the Saracens team will be able to deliver a defensive performance it's kind of ingrained in how they play at this point so those conditions suited them really well they were well able to hang in the game down there um, and look it might well be a good result I just feel like the wrestling one is going to be the one that's going to hurt them in the long run um, that draw I think makes it very difficult for them. Um, but we'll wait and see how things pan out. What did you make of Saracens sending over that weekend team in the first place? It's not what you, what you want to see. I know, they, you know they're entitled to pick a team whatever way they want. And they got a losing bonus point, so you know they can just point and say, we got a result, but... It's they can feel very justified. Like, yeah. I thought the weather really saved the day because yeah. I think that was a... I didn't think it was good for the tournament. Yeah. Um, I thought it was and a little bit disrespectful. You know, I think, you know, I, I get that they want to... They want to make sure that they qualify and survive in the Premiership. But they're going to do it. They have two squads there, like, you know, missing one or two players if they get an injury or so, or, you know, whatever. It's not going to make the difference for them, I don't think, in the league, in uh, in the Premiership. It's, it's They've been runaway winners the last couple of years, and I don't. this squad is stronger than last year's, so I don't see how they're going to be in any worse si situation. So um, I think it's a little bit disrespectful, a little bit kind of sulky, and I don't like it. Yeah. And it's disappointing for all the viewers who pay the money and all the supporters who turn out the tone when expecting an absolute titanic battle yeah. between two brilliant teams now in saying that Will we don't know if this is like a, you know a World Cup thing you know they went a little bit further than, than Ireland did um, you know World Cup final and it takes a lot out of players and maybe mm. there is some kind of thing where they are resting players based on that but uh, I told you I was able to play though you know so they, correct they, they, they so maybe, I don't know if that whole they could have calibrated a little bit different but maybe, you know they Look, got the amazing bonus point see, yeah. Yeah. just one thing before we bring on John Cooney uh, obviously the IRFU David Newton forward kind of talked about that, that post World Cup review you know, we're well used to them in this country at this stage, you know, the big fallouts. Um, I don't know, and like, then you had Rory Best coming out as well, I think on the same day, and Joe Schmidt subsequently responded to those comments. Like, it's been... I haven't actually seen the, the Joe Schmidt response. Was this yeah, well, again, measured, I, or was well, this... Well, it was again kind of when Nasiwa came out with, with comments saying that, oh, I don't know if he meant it in the way he might have said it kind of thing. 
So again, I think it sounds like he doesn't really buy or agree with the, the criticisms coming from some certain quarters. I, I look, I, my first reaction was, you know, I was it was kind of disbelief to be honest with you. I think um, that he was so forthright. Well, that that was his view. I thought best. Well, yeah. whatever about best, yeah, I but like, I thought you know, both. I thought yeah, who's sorry. the forest. Sorry, sorry, I'm on yeah, yeah, to the review. I'm on to the review. I touch. I I don't know. I haven't seen Joe's comments. Oh, yeah. I missed them, so yeah. I, I, right. I can't actually comment on that. But I think I did catch a few of the comments around um, the review process uh, that were made, and I kind of did feel like. <sighs> I didn't really see the value in it. I didn't see the value in sharing it. They've, you know, they haven't shared before. They have shared it, you know, in other in other times. Um, it doesn't seem to have made any difference either way. You don't see the value in this before sharing the findings? I don't think, I don't really see. I, should it not be a transparent process? Should, should people, well, we all knew what happened, didn't we? But, it, but to hear, but to hear like kind of laid out in more detail, is that not valuable for, for people to know? Maybe for the organisation itself, I don't see how you know. I don't. I don't really see what feedback they get from from outside that actually helps them to go and change this. Um, I think the only feedback from outside that they've decided, well, that that I think would be valuable is someone who's an independent adjudicator on the thing and who has some experience about how to get the best out of teams. Some kind of consultancy firm still suggests that, in my own view, looking at the World Cup, players perform very poorly, very poorly. Um, and I was really surprised to hear the coach getting flack for it. And um, look, I think Joe probably opened himself up by being slightly honest about some of his misgivings about uh, possibly some changes that he thought he might he could have made um, around some of the tactics that had been employed. But I thought it was probably too late, and I didn't think the game plan um, was that bad. That they should have, you know, that the before that were kind of justified by the yeah. performances, or that were kind of like I, I really thought the players played very poorly. I really thought yeah. that. I thought, like, you can't really account... Joe Schmidt can't really account for people dropping balls, um, you know, people not doing their jobs, people not understanding their roles and some of the moves. Like, whatever... But Roy, I, thought, I saw Rory Best saying about some of the detail being too much for players and getting people too tight. On the day of up. the game, he said that there was even more detail being given on the actual day, which that he thought maybe was a bit more... Oh, I don't... Yeah, like, jeez. Look, you can... If you're... Most most players are are able to just say, well, like that's I, I can't deliver on that, you know, or brush that aside. Like at the end of the day, you're going to play rugby. You have a plan in place for the whole week. You bet it in. There might be a few bits, a few last minute bits, but like if you can't, you know, just go out and play the game. Play what's mm. in front of you. You got to catch the ball if it's thrown to you. You got to be, you know, hold your depth if there's a gap in front of you. Um, you know, you don't want to. You know, there was I thought there was loads. You have to make your tackles. Yeah, <laughs> like they didn't do that. You know, guys were picking the wrong guys to defend against. Uh, guys weren't chasing kicks or kicking well. Um, you know, so I thought there was loads of things went wrong. I didn't think it was down to the coach, really. I think the coach probably had a good plan in place. Um, I didn't think they adapted early enough in the year, but I still thought there was enough in there and there was enough quality in there that if they produced and if they played well within the game plan, that they still could have been very successful. And they showed that against Scotland. They just didn't perform against Japan. They they looked like they underestimated them. They looked well, like they thought there was going to be... In New Sephora's review, so the fourth thing he said was, you know, that the tactics didn't evolve enough that the players well, he was struggled in charge of this. They, that they struggled with the expectations going into 2019 that they targeted the, the Scotland game to the detriment of the Japan game and that overall the skill level across the board isn't high enough they were the four I think we were the best team in the world in 2018 so yeah. the skill levels were there they hadn't they didn't it was it was down to kind of performance and maybe not taking it no, I think probably not taking a few more chances um, and I think I've got to say 
I thought he was really conservative with his selections. I never thought there was much wrong with Joe's plan. I thought they could have tweaked a few things around some of their kick, um, some of their exiting, and some of the play around the forwards. But I don't think the fundamentals of the game have changed in a very long ever I don't think they've ever changed and I think uh, I thought he, he was very conservative around some of his selections I thought that was a big problem and that's that I've been very consistent on saying that um, you know I probably thought that he stuck with a few players that he shouldn't have stuck with and I'd say that was a bigger problem for him than the, than the game plan um, because I didn't see many people who actually end up producing anything in terms of the basics of the game in the big in the big moments, and that's what that was the key thing. Will like I think you can really uh, they can analyze this thing to death, right? But the fact of the matter is, the players did not perform well in the big games. They did like those games if they performed to the to their potential. Those games still would have been tight. Now they might have lost them, and you could say we could have changed some of the taxi, tactics here and there. But they didn't produce physically against New Zealand. They didn't produce defensively against New Zealand. Like if you do those two things well, you probably are. It's probably a tight but enough game. Is the underperformance not part of this larger trend of four reasons which he's put forward? News of four, but not him himself, but all the basic report. Well, I suppose it is sounds it? like he's addressed that the players didn't deal well with the with the hype coming into the competition. But for that, that's a very qualitative remark to make. I don't see, like. It looks to me like they just didn't play well. There was guys out of form who were getting, who were still getting picked. Guys who were in form weren't getting picked. Um, they had a, an aging profile, which didn't help them. Um, and they had kind of key guys who were out injured and 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 you know don't play eighty minutes all the time um, in very key positions and who have been out of form for a while. And a combination of all those things looked like, you know, it ended up with players who are looking for something to blame and they're looking at a game plan and saying we didn't evolve that I think that's probably fair enough but I don't think it's I think the, the key reason for me was that they didn't perform physically in the big game New Zealand bullied them they didn't defend well and they didn't catch the ball like the basics I, I feel like I'm repeating myself but that's exactly what I feel about watching it and I don't think that that's down to a coach giving you detail on the day of a game or, or close to a game uh, that was all those things happened all the time I might have it may have ramped up a little bit but that's not going to affect you on the day. Like but the captains, if Rory Best, the captain's coming out saying it, who would be very close to Joe, like Joe stuck by him, if he's saying it, you could probably take an educated guess that a lot of people maybe feel similar. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Yeah. Uh, like, I think, you know, I don't think you can say that, uh, you know, what I would say is that if Rory's the captain and he felt that way, and that was a, a view that was shared by the squad, it'd be his job to go and say that to Joe. Hmm. No, yeah, he re he, he referred no? to that. No, he said that he should have said something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, there's nothing more to say on that yeah. one. I think the captain is, if it, like, he's supposed to be your go between um, between management and players, and supposed to be representing the players. So, if he felt there was, you know, there was things that should have been, you know, that that Joe was doing wrong or not helping yeah. on match day, he should have given that feedback to yeah. Joe. I find the same thing with the report. Like some of these things are so. Obviously, it's like, well, if you if if this was if this was so obvious, why wasn't it effing addressed before that? Now, you know what I mean? Like some of the some of the kind of the, the reasons, like the dealing with the hype or whatever, like these things could anyone. Could it have, sounds like people were blaming anyone but themselves. Uh, it sounds like it was like, oh, we you know we didn't play well, but these are you know, and it was mitigating factors for yeah. that. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like a typical. A typical, like any, it's sorry, these guys, by the way, I'm not having a go at the team because this happens in every walk of life. When something goes wrong, people start pointing fingers anywhere else. And I just think we need to be careful we don't get caught by saying or by thinking that because they're saying, oh, we didn't play well, but yeah. that they're actually taking accountability. Accountability is saying, no, the things I could control, 
the, uh, you know, and, and I think he should probably be commenting on those things. Um, I think Joe's actually taken, uh, you know, he's been, he's been on you. Unusually forthright after it, I actually thought he probably has opened himself up to this. Um, I would say he's an unbelievable coach. I think he, you know, too much detail. Detail was always the thing that this Irish team was craving. So, um, you know, and I think around performance, I think he was, uh, I think he was very, very loyal to a lot of people who didn't perform for him in big game, hmm. big game scenarios. Well, to move on to a more positive note now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Ulster scrum half John Cooney. John, thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me on again. I enjoyed it last time, so it's good to be back. No, yeah, we did, we're, we enjoyed it as well, and we're getting it at a very good time. More European heroics. God, you, you, this is three matches in each one. You, you've proved to be the match winner are very close to it. We might as well jump right into the, the Quinns game last Friday, or last Saturday night in, in Ravenhill. Like, you've stood over so many match winners since you moved up to Ulster. Like, you know, what, what goes through your head when you're standing over one of those kicks? Are you able to divorce yourself from the situation and, and just go through, like, a process of, your, of a regular kick? Or is it in the back of your mind that, like, like, God, if, if I miss this kick, we've lost at home in Europe in a big game. You can tell Will's never stood over one of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the word process is a, is a pretty good word to use. And I've, I've said it before, I read some golf books because the comparison between, say, golf putts or even the pressure on golfers coming down the last couple of holes in a competition is so similar to those kind of last-minute kicks or, or whatever they are. And I actually sometimes read them the day before games, so it kind of helps me. And there, there has been a time where I've read part of that book the day before. There's a one called Golfers Game Confidence where it speaks about golfers and, and how you're not the first person to be in that scenario. So that's kind of what went through my head. Is First, it's not my first time being in that scenario, and also other people have been there before, and they've tried on that type of pressure. So that's kind of what went through my head there. And I, I going back to another golf thing, something Tiger Woods uses in with his sports psychologist, and he, he calls it the sanctuary of the the pre-shot routine, and that's kind of something that kind of turned all that on my on the head for me. And you can either see it as kind of minute of of nerves or, or silence, but you can kind of see it more as a sanctuary time for you to kind of relax and and feel good. And that's kind of what I did in that last moment. And do you ever think, what if I miss? Simply, yeah, I do. I, I I prefer to do that straight away because <laughs> if you can you can kind of quench that straight away, and it does happen uh, that you think that could happen. Oh, geez, I could easily put it left, and I find if you if you think about it straight away, you can then notice it and just go, well, that's not going to happen. Whereas if you think about that just before you're about to kick it, that's when you probably will miss it. Yeah, look, it's, uh, I think you look really comfortable. It's a good good place to start. Will I think um, from my own perspective, I mean. We, we just feel great that you're playing well. We called this when you moved up, actually. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it's great to see you playing so well. Um, and uh, do you know what, as well? A key part for me in watching you, I think, is actually, look, the kicks are great, and you've been doing brilliantly there, but it's the contribution around the pitch for me that's making a massive difference. I always said, you know, you're a nuggety player, uh, you like getting stuck in, you're a good reader of the game, and have a good football brain. But I thought the key part in the game for me was there was a tackle you made at the end of the first half on uh, their number eight uh, Dom, Dom Brandt is it um, yeah. and then you followed it up when they were about to kick one through uh, and they knocked it on I just thought those kind of things like, are they moments that you that you pride yourself on it feels like that's something that I think people don't always see which is they see the kicks they see the brilliant try against Claremont but is that something you really pride yourself on yeah I think that goes back a bit to Jared Payne as well as our defence coach he, he wants to see us nines kind of get a bit closer to the rooks and put pressure on the opposing nine. And I was happy it was one of my goals going into the game was trying to get one on Danny Kerr like that, where I either force him to knock it on or get a turnover. And yeah, it goes back probably to the World Cup where 
one of the reasons I, I was told I wasn't picked was uh, for defensive reasons and that kind of pissed me off to be honest so uh, I've been really concentrating on getting my uh, say tackle percentages up and making sure I'm making all my first up tackles so yeah that did annoy me in the summer so it's definitely something that I, I've highlighted as something that I really want to improve this season and something that I would have thought I was actually quite good at but maybe in the eyes of other people or maybe I didn't realise that I'm not as good as I thought I was so it's it's definitely something I'm improving and somehow I'm working a lot with Jared to try and get better so, so someone who, who told you that you weren't a good t- uh, that they thought that was a part of your game you needed to work on it was just one of my reasons for not getting picked in the summer um, really it was yeah, I've always thought you were a great defender. Oh, okay. Uh, well, look, it's yeah. great to see you've obviously turned it around and you're making a big impact in there. But, I mean, I mean, has that really driven you on? That would really drive me on. Because, uh, I mean, we all thought you were kind of a shoe in to get in. Obviously, the, the two nines, I think, was something that maybe surprised a good few people in terms of who they were going to select and bring. But um, is that something that's really driven you on? A little bit of hurt, maybe, about not getting on the plane? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's definitely something that drove me in the summer. And, I felt physically really good coming back from Ireland and it was it was pretty tough to not even get a game. That was kind of what really, really made it uh, hurt a lot. But yeah, for me, it was it was to go back to what I've done in the previous past and, and understand that it's, it's easy to sit around and feel sorry for myself. But at the end of the day, it wasn't really going to make me a better player or, or really contribute to the team or anything like that. So I kind of went straight back to Ulster and in an environment that I love and, and players that I enjoy to see every day. And I found that to be the best way for me to get over it and like I said, I felt physically really good and I hadn't even missed one, one session with Ireland in the summer because I was priding myself on availability for training. So I felt really good and I'd done a lot of gym and stuff. So yeah, going back into that uh, atmosphere with Ulster and seeing how hard they were working was just brilliant. And I think I, I kind of got over quite quickly because like I said, I was happy in that environment and when you're happy, you're going to be feeling good and playing good. Yeah, John, it's funny how things can work out. Obviously, you were probably you know, crushed to miss out on World Cup selection at the time. But as you say, you got back into Ulster where, you know, you're thriving. You know, you got a good run of games to start of the season. Ulster are winning, playing really well. You were playing really well. Whereas at the other side of the world, this horror show kind of was unfolding for Ireland. So I get, you know, for yourself personally anyway, like you've been able to carry that good run of form at the start of the season on into now, into the big European games. And you're putting your fra- yourself back in the frame again for international selection probably. Yeah, I, I think it's helped for me. As I said, I've been in pre-season since June 16th so I kind of feel like I'm nearly two-thirds way through the season and like that I've played the first uh, 10 games I think it is and and I'm feeling really good so for me it was it was that I, I felt great and I felt that when these lads were going out and and they were playing for Ireland but I knew they'd have a couple of weeks off so in my head I was thinking okay I've got a bit of jump on a few of these guys and I'm, I'm feeling really sharp at the moment so I felt good then going into the European games that I knew I've I've got that consistency of game time, which which I felt I kind of had something over a few of those guys. And one thing, I guess, you know, since you've gone to Ulster, you know, obviously you don't need us to remind you how good you've been. You know, you've been picking a player of the year awards and all those match-winning kicks. Like, was it a frustration that for yourself, and there's probably a lot of other guys as well who feel the same way, that the form maybe wasn't rewarded as much as people would like to see usually. There was a, a, a kind of a, a handful or more of kind of guys in a similar boat to yourself who didn't maybe get the international recognition that their club form certainly probably deserved. Yeah, it, it can be tough in that scenario. And I've never been really a player that, well, bar at the moment, have been getting much publicity for my performances. So again, that's probably something that drives me. And, and it is a bit different now when I'm getting this attention. I don't really know how to deal with it as much. And, and trying to stay even keel and not get ahead of yourself. And yeah, it was tough. I, I thought I played well for a couple of years and I've gone to Six Nations squad thinking that I'd have a good chance of getting selected. I haven't been selected. And, and I go back to the people around me and my sister always told me that all I can do is keep playing well. And, 
and that's what I try to do week in, week out. And, and I know that if I don't get selected, a lot of the time you, you can't do much about it. Some coaches might want to pick you, some might might want to, but as long as you're playing well, they, they, they can't really ignore you too often. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do, and, and I know how fickle the game can be. And John, just you, you mentioned briefly about the, the quality of the setup there. Talk to us a little bit about what uh, Dan and the team have been able to do in terms of getting Ulster on the right path. I mean, like I, I feel watching it that, you know, I think he's he's recruited really well and it must be great to play behind that pack. But just on a wider scale, like what, what kind of impact do you think him and the team have had on, on, on the players? Yeah, I think we've quite a young coaching staff for me with, with Dwayne Peel obviously has been brilliant seeing since he's the next line and, and he drives that kind of speed away of the ball and he said that's something that I can kind of get a point of difference over other nines and, and he's been brilliant personally but also just yeah Dan the way way he approaches the game he's he's studied psychology he's a master's in psychology so he understands uh, people's brains and how they work and, and he wants Evan to feel part of the, the system and, and every player to be part of the squad so that's, that's something that it's, it's difficult for a coach to keep Evan happy and it's obviously it's easier when you're playing every week but he has a good way at, at keeping Evan happy and making Evan feel part of the squad and and for me personally I love a coach that's approachable and you can always speak to and, and I find he's like that and he's a coach that loves the players and, and you love playing for him and he's also brought in kind of a bit of it's a bit of a difference in terms of like uh, the way we approach gym time and stuff now gym is kind of being split into half skills half gym so it's not as much of an onus on just lifting weights all the time and and now we've skill blocks in between gym, so you might do do a set or two of bench press, and then you go and do do handling drills, or you go do tackle tech. So that's been something different. That's actually starting to really come to the fore with the way we're playing in terms of getting those opportunities with uh, our handling and, and even our tackle and defence. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned some of the kind of the tweaks over over the last while, because I guess even from your first year to now you know what you know i guess you've been very consistent i guess there's been a lot of change and you know, upheaval around you like how, how different is the ulster setup you know from the day you walked in you know when you were looking to make a name for yourself to now where you're probably just one of the senior guys you know driving it on yeah i'll be honest it, it has changed a lot and in terms of even personnel player wise uh i think i'm nearly the second oldest in the back line which which says a lot uh whereas when i first came uh, we had quite a lot of people over 30 in the back line. So that's changed in terms of personnel quite a lot. And yeah, there's a, a lot of innocence of youth or a lot of young lads coming through, which has been great. And, and also, like you said, with the managements, there's always different coaches who have different mentalities. And, and I'd say Dan would be a bit different to what we had in the past. And, and it has changed a lot in terms of all that personnel. And it's been nearly a breath of fresh air, though, to have, have all that new, new faces and new young people coming through. And you mentioned about kind of, I suppose... The little bit of attention or the attention that comes with, you know, having performed so well the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, how how have you dealt with that? Because, I mean, I know you're, you're like, you'd be a confident guy anyway, John. When you have a lot, a lot of belief in yourself, uh, I always thought that that was never going to be an issue for you, was having the, having the belief. It was probably just more about probably getting opportunities in the right environment. Um, so, like, how, how have you dealt with this? How you, like, are you, do you think about it at all or, uh, you know, like, how how have you reacted to it? Um, yeah, I, I I have my mum sending me articles basically every day at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told her enough times it's okay, I don't need to see them all the time. But uh, she's just proud and that's part and parcel of it probably. I, like I said, I've seen the other side of it. I've been that fourth choice. I've been wearing the bibs for the other team week in, week out. So I, I do understand how quick it can change and, and I just keep going back to that. It's I think that's the important part of it all when 
when it wasn't going well, I tried to stay even keel. And, and when it's going well, I want to try and do the same. So uh, it's going back to that kind of leveling type of ground where I, I understand that it can change. And when you're going well, it, it, it can come back to that. If you don't play well, people are going to take you back straight back down. So I just want to try and play well every week. And, and, and I do feel great. I do feel like I'm playing well at the moment. And, and I think I can keep kicking on to be even better. Yeah, as you mentioned there, is it a strange kind of mental transition when you are, I guess you, you played professional rugby for maybe four or five years and then made your breakthrough a little later versus someone who maybe makes the breakthrough straight away in terms of overnight, you're not not only with the publicity, but even just being a senior player in the team and in your role at Ulster, you know, you do, you're a very hands-on nine, you know, you know, a lot of it does go through you. Like, is, is it, it's a kind of an all-encompassing transition. It's not just the off-the-field attention, it's the, the how much people are now looking to you versus maybe earlier in your career when you were the upstart yeah I'd probably still see myself though as the same same John Cooney as a couple of years ago and and I'm still pretty humbled in those those tough years that I worked hard and I feel like now those those years in Connacht when I was injured or, or working really hard I probably worked my hardest I've ever worked in Connacht I think I'm finally starting to see the benefits of, of those years and I've kind of learned now to to pull back and and I probably overtrained a bit back then and like I said, I wasn't even a goal kicker. If you went back to me four years ago, you wouldn't have said my kicking game was my biggest strength or, or one of my main strengths. And it's it goes back to that, that now it's I'm starting to see the, the fruits of my work or whatever that. So for that, it's important that I, I kind of stay stay grounded, like I said, and, and keep working. And I know I can improve a lot of the game and I've improved my understanding and stuff, but I want to keep kicking on and, and keep improving those areas. And where do you feel like the biggest growth area in your game? Uh, you know, like where's the area you're focused on, or where do you feel like you get the most growth going forward, John? Um, going, uh, if I had to say what's improved for me over the last year, it would definitely be just the mind and the psychology of it all. Because I think it is something that's neglected by a lot of players. You, like I said, I probably worked too hard physically and and would have went up to the gym and tried to train, overtrain every evening and stuff. Whereas I could have just kind of tapped into my mind a little bit better and and, and realised what I need to improve that way and, and yeah that is I think I've got a lot better understanding of the game as well that's something I had to work on over a couple of years and understanding how to, to manipulate blindside and stuff like that rather than just going through certain plays and playing heads up rugby stuff like that and I think that's definitely something I've improved and like I said my I think my kicking game has become one of my strengths and it's something I've worked on over the last few years and I always think you know and I'd be interested to get your opinion on this but as a playmaker I just feel like as well playing rugby playing top class rugby and particularly you know as a 9 or a 10 playing with the first choice pack I mean time in the in in the in the pocket I think makes a huge difference do you feel that way as well that you're kind of like it's really difficult when you're trying to make your way and you're getting a bit part here you're getting 10 minutes at the end of a game here and there to really impose yourself and learn the game I would feel like that's a key part for any young player coming up in those positions yeah definitely I think I think it's down cave you so we say just in general as a player you start seeing more and more pictures over and over and again and I think that's kind of what happens as you get a little bit older. You've seen multiple pictures in defence. You've seen mul multiple pictures in attack. And, and everything seems to get a little bit easier when you see that consistently. And Like you said, when you get more game time and you get to play in these bigger games, it's it goes back to that. And, and the way we're trained at the moment is, is incredible. We train at ridiculous speeds. So we're actually more tired when we're training. So I'm finding games easier than, than the training we're doing at the moment because the speed we're trying to move the ball. So I've just found that the way we've trained is has kind of helped me in game time at the moment that, that everything seems to slow down a little bit. And you mentioned there how you've kind of 
you know, so, some of the other things is your game awareness that you think you've improved on, like, you know, knowing when to snipe or go blind. You know, there was that great try you scored against Claremont and Dan That was definitely a bad decision. Well, I was going to say, I was with Dan McFarland, I was already going to the TV afterwards saying, I was screaming, no, 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 yes. Like, uh, <laughs> talk to us a bit about that moment. Um, yeah, I don't know, he wasn't too happy at the time, but uh, I was actually kind of looking down the blind thinking that our winger could be there to try and put him down the blind and then they overfold, so it opened up straight for me and, and I thought during the week that if we had a play that, which we didn't do in the end, but I was gonna if I went through, it was gonna be rack and I was gonna chip him, and, and then it opened up that I went through. So straight away when I saw him, I was like, I'm not going around this guy, and he's a lot quicker than I thought he was. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to burn him. So. I thought just try and kick it over and see what happens and yeah it worked out that time anyway isn't it funny kind of when you back yourself because I always think it's really difficult to say to people you know because people a lot oftentimes will just assess the end result of that um, mm. but I think when you actually look into the psychology of I think and, and particularly how you've evolved the last couple of years I think that really showed a real matureness and a comfortable you were, you were comfortable in your own skin doing it because whatever about the move and it opens up slightly for you but I think you back yourself you see the picture you execute you back yourself and it's funny how it just works out that way I, I, I feel like I don't know if, do, you, do you believe that kind of stuff in a game with that kind of regardless of the decision if you if you I suppose implement it or you back yourself 100% oftentimes they'll work out in your favour anyway yeah I do and and it did work out and I think it also goes back to practice I've probably practiced them um, plenty of times and I, I did used to always try and warm up just in case it ever happened I've always wanted to to do it off a couple of scrums when you see it's just the winger you'd know if you're a left winger and the nine just sees the blind side, he could go down and try and chip it over him. And I've been meaning to do that for a while in a game, but I haven't got to do it yet. So I felt like when that opened up, it was kind of that scenario that I've wanted to do for a while. And I've practiced it many a time, mm -hmm. but never actually done it in a game. And like you said, I, I, I wanted to do it for a while. And I probably had that in my head that I was going to get the ball once I chipped it over. And, it could have went either way. I was lucky it was two, two big props chasing me. <laughs> yeah, and then the game against Bath as well, like, you know, a, a kind of a, a similar, well, in the sense that you kind of stuck a leg out, the ball bounces your way. Like, it's funny when you're in good form and playing well, how this, these little breaks seem to go your way. Like, when you're going out at the moment, you just feel like things are bouncing just the right way for you at the moment. Yeah, I think it's tied a bit. I'm, I'm quite competitive as well, so I was pretty pissed off because he had already blocked me down. So, <clears throat> going back to that, uh, Jared Payne wanting us to put a bit of pressure on the other nine. After he got me, I was I was adamant that I get him back. So if you actually see me after I put it down, I was like, "That's one all." I was kind of shouting that up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of in the moment at the time. But yeah, I'm not very humble. Met... <laughs> Still the <laughs> same, John Cody. Like five minutes ago. Uh, competitive nature, um, but yeah, even yeah, the left foot and it, it popped up straight into my hands. Yeah, stuff like that. It is going right. Um, but yeah, I don't know at the moment. Like you said, it probably is just going my way at the moment, but I'm happy to have it going that way. And what about the team? The team seems to be like really enjoying themselves. Like obviously the wins always help, um, but it seems to me like the environment in there, like it's really turned around in a, in a very short period of time. Um, what's the mood like in the camp around, you know, goals going forward for the season? Is there a huge kind of, uh, you know, belief in the squad that you guys can go on and actually get some silverware this season? Or like, like where do you feel like... What's the, what's the tempo of the team? What's the, what, how are people feeling about the season going ahead? Are they, uh, I just feel like there's something's like it's, it feels like we're in the middle of a change, um, you know, up in the king span. Yeah, I, I think the last day was a bit of a kick up the arse for us against Harlequins. I think it shows where we've come that we were confident that we beat Claremont and we did and we we're very confident that we beat Harlequins. So for us to come off that field really disappointed with just about winning at the end, I think 
it shows kind of where we come in the last couple of years. Whereas a couple of years ago, we would have been just content with getting that win, and and we were disappointed with how we played, and we we thought we could have put them away way earlier. So I think that's reflective of of our group at the moment and and where we want to go. And yeah, there is a good buzz. I'd, I'd nearly say it's akin to to the buzz I felt in Connacht the year uh, that we won the Pro 12 when I was there. It was kind of that collective brotherhood that we always spoke about when it goes from one game to another that that we're building something really good and, and I kind of feel that here at the moment that everyone's very tight and and we seem to be getting these wins whether it's it's close or, or games that we're performing really well and and I think it is just it's it's that kind of ingrained bit of self-belief we're getting now and, and that has a kick-on effect like we're talking about there that other people are getting confident within the squad and, and it has a knock-on effect when people are, have that feel of energy like you can you can see it with the way we're playing even the way we're defending the way everyone's working working 100% for each other, people like Sean Reedy, even Jordy, Marcel, like the energy they're bringing in games is, is so so infectious that everyone else around was feeling it. And I think that's something that we've definitely developed in the last two years that my first year we probably didn't have. Yeah, you mentioned Marcel there. Marcel could see who's been you know sensational. I guess his the Springboks' loss again was probably Ulster's game. Another guy who, who unfortunately missed out on the World Cup, he got injured. But like he has been so impressive for you guys, and he had two really injury hit seasons, you know, to start his career up in Belfast. But now he's probably one of the best back rows in the world on, on his day. Yeah, he's brilliant, and he, he's funny. I could I could tell you some funny stories about him. First time I play with him, he goes, "You see me, you play me." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> good, man." I give him the ball, and, but now even in, even in games where he's begging me, can he just carry on the out half? And I'm like, "No, just please be the backline move." <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. I I I've got to the stage now where I have to negotiate in the game with him. So I'd be like, "He's like, am I am I going?" I'm like, "No, Marcel." Uh, just please give me the ball I'll get your carry later I have to like promise him a carry later and you, you negotiate with him and sometimes he doesn't give you the ball and then you have to kind of get into him and he, he gets annoyed at himself but he is brilliant he's the type of player you always want in your team because he carries hard he, he works hard for the team and he's actually a brilliant bloke as well and I think, yeah, he definitely should have been in that squad in the summer. But like you said, it was probably a blessing for us to get him back. And just to, to speak about some of the other guys in the pack, I mean, you mentioned Jordy Murphy, but Jack McGrath, Marty Moore, all excellent players. I mean, how are they betting in up there? I mean, do you, I, I feel like they've added a huge amount, particularly, uh, obviously, Jordy's been a, a mainstay. This bloody guy seems to like never be injured. But, um, you know, how have they settled in and, and what have they brought to the setup up there? Yeah, they've all been great. And, and we actually all go back together. The four of us would have came up underage together so it's, it's good to all be back together and and Jordy's been brilliant he had an incredible game against Claremont and he's still pissed off that I didn't pass on the ball when I made that break <laughs> but these things happen sometimes um, but Marty I, I think Marty's been incredible so far this season mm. uh, some of the hits he's been making even on Don Brandt the other day he, oh, he, he smashed him, him when, he, yeah. when he made the line break and, and the poor lad seems to be his shoulder seems to be broken half the time but he just gets back up and he hits people again and and he's incredible in the scrum. And same with Jack McGrath. He's been unlucky with that injury. But the consistency we had, consistency we had at the start of the season in terms of our scrum and, and even their ball count around the field has been unbelievable. And, and they're players that have really stepped up for us and players that we really need. And it's interesting you mentioned, like I guess the, the kind of the contingent who have come up from uh, from from Leinster because I, I, I read an interview in preparation for this that you gave I think last year where you were kind of a bit annoyed that when like players from maybe Leinster go to Connacht or Munster, there's not that much said about it as in them betting in down there. But when they go up to Ulster, there's a huge deal made about oh there's so many <laughs> Dublin guys up there and, and stuff like that because obviously you know the the, the off-field buy-in seems to be a big part of of the success up there. So it's obviously a frustration when people are kind of f- fixating on the amount of guys who have gone up the road yeah I have said that before when, 
I don't think I was ever really called the Dublin the Dubliner when I was in Connacht and stuff like that. And it does seem to be used a lot more up here. But yeah, like everyone's settled in really well, and everyone loves it here. And personally, I love it here as well. So it's it's been great, and everyone's been taken to brilliantly through the fans and everything like that. So yeah, it has been great having everyone up here. And and even if I look back, I, I to be honest, I don't think. I think that time coming through Leinster was a difficult time for a lot of people and I think the only person left around my time is Reese Ruddock. Um, I think literally everyone else from the academy around my time is gone, mm. which is quite weird. Yeah, must have been. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> they had to get rid of some of the deadwood, obviously, Coons, with some of the likes of me. Um, yeah, but look, it, it does seem like the, it, it, the things are going very well. And one thing I would touch on, because I always feel like good teams have good defence coaches. And I, I would love to, because obviously, Jared Payne, like, great player, uh, obviously, lucky enough to play alongside the guy. So I know his qualities as a bloke as well. But what's he been like defensively? I feel like that's been a big differentiator between this season and last season. I think there's been another jump on in quality in terms of the defensive performances. What's his impact been? Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. And there's a really good overlap between all three coaches and, and even with Dan Soper, our skills coach, kind of all have the same similar type of mentality. And, and something that Dan wants us to get is, is hunting like a pack. And Jared loves that idea. And that is something that you can see in the way we, we defend at the moment. Two, two man hits, three man hits, everyone getting involved. And it's that, and he always wants us to kind of induce change. Certain words we use, and like I said, getting us nice to try and put a bit more pressure, just kind of give different pictures. And and he, as you know, he, he's good at winding you up as well. So he puts players under a lot of pressure in training and, and it goes at you to kind of, uh, kind of flussily, or I can't think of the word right now, but kind of to put you off and, and get you pretty annoyed in, in training, which is good because when it comes to game time, like I said, it, it feels a little bit easier then and, he might uh, get the other team to run a, a scrum setup without you even getting time to think about what you're going to do. So he is good at that. Like I said, he's a wind-up merchant, so he tries getting it a lot, and, and he's been brilliant. And, and I think you can see it in the way we're playing at the moment. Yeah, and John, I really appreciate you giving us uh, some of your time on an important week for us. There's two things to finish up. Obviously, that game, that return fixture against Quinns on Friday night, as you said, you were probably a little bit disappointed even though you did win the game last weekend. So is there anything in particular you're hoping to get right or, or to do a little bit better uh, going to the stoop? Yeah, we like I said, we were happy with some of our attack in the first half, but we, we kind of put a few balls to the deck that we could have scored and we probably could have gotten our four tries in the first half if we were a bit more clinical and... And it kind of had that feeling at halftime that we're losing, even though it's ten all. And, and yeah, we just want to kind of put some of them chances away. And defensively, we we weren't as good as we have been in the couple of weeks before. And in the second half, we put the skills under a lot more pressure, and and we were a lot better in the second half. So it's it's probably just refining those small two parts of the game. And and it'll be good to get over there. We played them two years ago in the snow, and. Hopefully it won't be snowing this year and it'll be a little bit easier to play. Mm. And I guess, you know, also on the horizon, I think, is Andy Farrell's first Ireland camp as, as head coach at the mini camp. Like, you know, you've been, I know you, you said before on this podcast that you do like to kind of monitor the other nines and how they're going. So you'll know as well as anyone that you're right in the hunt, probably to, to, to be at the top of the queue for, for the scrum half. So are you looking forward to going in and testing yourselves against them in close quarters? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm hoping to even be in the squad. That's where I'm feeling at the moment. Nothing's a certainty in life. So, um, yeah, I hope to be in that squad and I hope to do well. And, and it is a new coaching staff. I met Mike Cat. He was up watching our training last week and he seems like a good man. And I was chatting to him briefly and, and Richie Murphy was up doing a bit of kicking with me last week. So, yeah, these are coaches like Richie I've had before in the past. He's my academy coach, so I know him well. And, and it's good to see them. And I hope 
now it might be a little bit different this season and, and maybe I'll get a little bit more game time because I got to play in the Six Nations last year and really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping to get another chance this year. Well, listen, John, thanks a million for coming on. Um, you know, I know, as, as Will said, it's, it's a big week, but it has been great to see your progress. And uh, I think it's no uh, surprise that Ulster progressed at the same time. Uh, two are definitely correlated, in my opinion. So, look, that's uh, it's great to see. Best of luck this weekend. And uh, we wish you all the best with all the selections and all that to come um, in the next couple of weeks and in January. Okay? Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for Cheers, coming on, John. John. See you. Bye, bye, bye. And that's all we have time for this week on the left wing. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the European action. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.